Welcome, everybody. It just seems like I've been here all morning. Well, it hasn't been, but I just got through doing Manson Mitchell's show, and now we're doing our show, which is awesome. This is the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW, Alternative Talk Radio, and I'm Eileen Grimes, astrologer, and with me is Mr. Doug Johnston, my co-host. Hello there, everyone. Hello. And we definitely have a Mercury retrograde. I had to come all the way up to the other exit to get here. Me too. Because they have things shut off here. Oh, do they have it going the so other way? Typical Mercury retrograde. When you go the other way? and Well, I come across 90 and the exit to come to Factory Square is blocked. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Okay. So that means I'm going to have to go back uh, Cold Creek Parkway. So, okay. So, anyway, poop. Um, so, all right. So, that's Mercury retrograde for you, having to di- divert in a different direction in a car. So, anyway. So, today on the show... We are going to have uh, on for the celebrity of the week, Miss Kamala Harris, and she's been interesting lately. And um, a lot of people are thinking she's the front runner for the vice president job with Joe Biden, but you know it's hard to say. And so um, I thought we'd look at her chart a little bit, and then there's some interesting things to look at there, don't you think, Doug? Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to do that, and then after that, we're going to talk to Mr. Mance and Miss Mitchell. After that, this is kind of a two a dual fold sort of, you know, show. So we just got through doing that show, and now we're doing it this way. So anyway, we're going to be doing that this morning. We have all our usual stuff and everything, and um, we're going to have fun today. It's going to be a lot of fun. So anyway, so we're going to take a break right now, and right after the break, we're going to do the Astral Celebrity of the Week. This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now... We're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW. I am Eileen Grimes, astrologer, and right now we're going to do the Astro Celebrity of the Week. We have Kamala Harris on today, and um, I've been kind of watching these people, thinking, well, I wonder which one's going to end up his, his running mate, but it's hard to say, you know, really Or hard. which one's going to run? <laughs> run, run like... Something's going to have to happen. Oh, I know. Well, he's supposed to, he's supposed to have it in by August 1st. He said he would have it done by August 1st, getting his, you know, recording his, his running mate. But he's getting a lot of pressure to do it now. So who knows? Well, if they have a convention, I almost think they might replace him with Kamala Harris or oh, someone different. Oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, so um, I, he's kind of taking his time with a lot of stuff. And I don't blame him because there's other stuff going on right now, like this thing tonight. Anyway, so Kamala Harris, her birth date is October 20th, 1964. She's born in the year of the dragon and born at 9.28 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time in Oakland, California. Okay, so she can speak well. She's got Gemini rising. 
um, well, the moon opposition sun is a very interesting aspect to me. I and know. it's being hit right now, both of them. Oh, that's true. Being squared, Pluto, Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, they're all squaring that up. Yeah, I know, and it's an exact opposition, too. She, she's a good talker in the respect that sometimes she talks herself into things that she has to talk herself back out of. Well, yeah. And that's the bad part. Yeah, And you know. she's done that too many times already in public. Oh, I've noticed As that. prosecutor, she put a lot of black people into prison. Oh. Absolutely. And this is where she may get, they may feel that that's too many. Yeah. Yeah. Considering what's going on right now. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, um, I'm just kind of like noticing this and I kind of think his, her uh, Saturn is stationary direct, I believe, because you know, it's retrograde in the chart. But it is about to go direct about six days or four days afterwards, I think. Eight you, minutes. Eight minutes. That's close enough. Yeah, to, she to, slides into it. Yeah. And there's a trine as far as Saturn to that. Mercury. Right. And that does give her that ability to talk a great talk. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she's yeah. very clear, she can very talk concise. A very good talk. Yeah. She's very concise, very deliberate too. So, uh, yeah, and I have to wonder about her growing up with that bunch of planets in the fourth house. That's a little tough. Well, Pluto, Venus, and Uranus. You know, and they're her all Her father got pretty upset with her on some of the stuff that's kind of interesting too. Interesting, because right there at the bottom with Uranus, right there at the bottom, that is kind of like she's an, a natural rebel that comes from way down inside of her, which might and obviously rebelling against one of the two of her parents. So I can't remember what she had said. Something about um, smoking pot with someone way back when. Oh, and she wasn't even in school at that time, but he, he was so disgusted with her, he made a public comment about it. Oh, well, okay. But that makes sense, though, Yeah, to have that kind of thing well, happen. But it shows parents. her as being a little manipulative with that easy talk. Well, she's got a little bit of that in there, yeah. She mm -hmm. could be. And she kind of likes, you know, the business of being a star with Mars and Leo, which is interesting. And <laughs> having Pisces at that top, she's going to be a movie star. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the thing is, too, is that she doesn't look like she's black. She's very light-skinned. Very pretty woman. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I think she's a very pretty woman. Yeah, I do, too. I think she's great looking. So, I mean, she has a moon in Aries, which means she's looking out for herself, number one. But, you know, she's she's flipped, you know, between the two, between her, the exact opposition, exact full moon. So, it's, um, she's always jockeying between yeah left brain right brain trying to work right it out. you know the right brain emotional or intellect yeah intellect and also what is it good for me or is it good for everybody else type of well thing. the thing with what they were talking about in the when she was prosecutor they were trying to fill up these private prisons mm -hmm. and she helped them big time mm. okay and that's where they've got a little problem with her that they're concerned about yeah so, I mean, this I is, you know. I've heard them talk about that. That concerns them more than anything. Yeah. You know, I think what we may do is might take a chart every week of a, a certain candidate that is going looking to fulfill the vice president shot and see if we can see anything of value <laughs> in their charts. 
you know, to see how they would be. Because you know that, that Biden is not just choosing a running mate that's a woman and probably a woman of color, but looking for somebody who can take his spot. Because I think he sort of anticipates if he runs and he wins, he may not fulfill his entire four years. That's my sense of him. I think he probably would have a hard time with just a few months. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but I really feel that way. Well, you He know, has a hard time making a sentence. Well, that's... Yes, I suppose, but I don't want to. Bar- I don't want to talk about that. Oh, okay. That's just, you know, he has his moments of clarity and then he kind of wanders off. Yeah. You know? So, um, but that's a twelve house Mercury. What do you expect? You know, um, you know that that's, that's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting to watch. So. I get the feeling they're still going to replace him with someone else. I really do. Well, that's what a lot of people are saying, but we'll keep a watch on this because. Um, because I don't think he's a strong candidate as what some of the others could have been. Well, I hope I hope that he is because I'm for him. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But he's also extremely sensitive to people, which is good. We need that, you know. And I think that's just super, super important. So, anyway. And our producer just walked out the door. Are you quitting? <laughs> He'll be back here in a minute. We have to change here. So, anyway, yeah, um... I think she's got a lot of strengths, and she's got areas that, that could be difficult for her to navigate, but I think she's going to do a really good job if well, she gets in that position. the squares are the things that are concerned, and they're all coming out of the seventh house. So if yeah. it's all squaring up, it may not be the ticket for her this time. That's a possibility, and she has a Mercury, oh, she has a Mars-Neptune square, which is a little difficult, too. You yeah. know, that can, can create an image that isn't true. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So that's it for her, and we're gonna probably bring up another one of these ladies next week, depending if I can find on their birth date and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we're gonna take another break right now, and when we come back, we're gonna bring on Manson Mitchell. Yay! This is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. <laughs> This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, June 21st, it's Harmonic Energy Shifting Sunday with Jude and Paul Potton from the Whispering Dragon Center in Seattle joining us. They'll have their acutonic forks and chimes, Tibetan bowls and bells, pua, didge, and rattle ready to do free remote treatments for you or your animal friends. So I hope you can join us and plan to call in. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And I just want to mention something really quick. We had a caller call in and said that they didn't like the fact that I had said that she that Kamala Harris doesn't look black. And I didn't mean that derogatory at all. He just she just doesn't look black. Her skin isn't isn't dark. It's light. You know, she looks very exotic. Yeah, she does. And, you know, I don't mean that as a cut against her and saying that, you know, she should be darker to be black. There are all variations of skin tone. So so whoever said that, you know, I apologize. I didn't mean to make that sound like that was prejudice in any way. So, OK, now we're going to bring on those crazy two people, those people that are on. Now the, you did it again. You insulted the guests. I <laughs> call them crazy. 
Yes, I did, but that's okay if I call them crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for the Mr. and Mrs., the fantastic Manson Mitchell. Manson Mitchell, how are you guys? We're doing well. (laughs) crazy. So we're crazy. You guys sound like you just woke up from a nap. What is this? We're, We're as crazy as the times in which we live. Yes, right. Yeah. So what are you guys up to these days? You know, you've been on your show for 14 years. We're in our 14th year now. We started in March of 2007. So we celebrated 13 years in March of 2020. Okay. And hard to believe that during our 13th anniversary, we're at the beginning of this uh, COVID breakout. Right. So what we've been doing here in Florida is... A couple of things. Gary's been doing a tremendous amount of reading. Mm -hmm. We have uh, books falling off our bookshelves because we collect so many of them. And he's been getting to reading them. And I made a big long list of projects. And I have been tackling uh, projects that have gone undone, some of which have been undone for 10 years. Wow. And so I'm, I'm taking this opportunity to uh, work on things, you know, sorting, cleaning out, organizing, uh, and doing a lot of things here at home. And I, I said to Gary, we get an A for sheltering in place because we so rarely leave the house. We grocery shop once every two weeks. I go to right. Costco about once every four weeks. Right. And uh, so we're we're very good about staying home and feel like, uh, you know, this is the right thing for us to do at this time. Yeah. I mean, that makes total sense to me because I think we are rediscovering kind of our roots, but we're also just rediscovering how we are with ourselves, you know, and I think that was necessary for that to happen as I was talking a little bit about last hour. You know, one of the things that I think human beings are going through is they're becoming more introspective. They're looking at themselves, what they really want, and... um they're not pushing it off on a shelf or keeping it for later. They're doing it right now because that's all we have. That's all we can do right now is when we're alone with ourselves. Like Doug has been painting paintings. Well, it was something to do. It's something. Well, yeah, well, most of us don't know how to paint, but, you know, it's, but that's an expression of yourself. So that's fabulous. So there. So you were saying last hour that we're in a period of time where there's a strong need to find the truth. Yeah. And from what I can see about my buddy over here, he's been reading books that have to do with truth and what is true both in this life and the next life. Right. And so wouldn't you say there's been kind of a trend in your reading in, in what it is you've been picking up? I'm concerned among other Search things about truth. the afterlife. Yeah. Is this real? We talk, mm-hmm. How many mediums have we interviewed on our show? And many of them have become personal friends of ours. I want to believe what they say. I find a lot of what they say to be strongly evidential, but there's still that reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm still looking for the holy grail that convinces me beyond any probability that uh, the afterlife does exist and that our consciousness is independent of our brains and our bodies so that when we lay down these wonderful frames of ours, some essential part of us goes on consciously with self-awareness. That's one of the central questions I would think in anybody's life. Well, you know, I've had three near-death experiences now 
And when you do cross the other side, you do go and you go into the light. There's no question about that. And you do see things that you're not going to see here on earth. And when you come back, you don't see the world the same as everyone else at all. Mm hmm. I've heard that from people who've had, in fact, we've interviewed some on our show, there are people who've had these experiences and it changes you in such a profound way that you can't look at your life or life generally in the same way. So that doesn't surprise me that you would say that. It does surprise me that you had these experiences. As long as I've known you, Doug, I don't recall hearing you discuss any of that. We talk about astrology, and of course, we belong to a metaphysical circle of friends in, in the Seattle area. But I don't recall hearing you mention that you actually expired until they brought you back. Was there what I would be curious to know is when you went there, did you see what you would regard as a traditionally religious figure? The thing that as far as um, the last time was probably most significant, because at that time I got to the point where I had to witness every one where I had been mean to them. Mm. I had to look at it from their perspective, not mine, but from theirs. Mm. And that changed me so profoundly, I can't even tell you, because I don't want to do anything that's going to take and make anyone feel like that again. Mm-hmm. Well, because that reminds me of Daniel Brinkley. That's, that's the kind of thing he talked about. He had to face all the harm he had done as a young man, all the hurt he had caused, with a, what we might call a supreme degree of empathy. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely was a wake-up call for me, because I... You know, the hurt that I inflicted on some of these people that were so sensitive, and I had to experience it myself by going there. I oh. mean, I got to feel their pain. Oh, hmm. that must have been very difficult to do. You just got to be very forgiving of everything that you've done and in, of everyone. Mm-hmm. And now when things go on, I just bless them and let it go. Don't mm-hmm. get in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably I, I, why you never heard anything about it. Yeah, right. But when I was 17, to answer your question there, Gary, I was going into the light at the same time I had rolled a tractor over on top of me. Mm-hmm. And I went into the light, and I'm headed that way fast. I have no pain. I'm in just a wonderful space. The, the loving feeling that you feel as you go is intense. And I'm watching them pull my body out from under the tractor at the same time. Mm-hmm. We lived way out in the country. So they brought the car down, and once they had my body out, they put it in the car. And I'm still going into the light. I'm not there at all. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I was back in my body. Wow. But I had no pain because I was paralyzed from the neck down. Mm. And that went on as far as I was in the hospital for quite a while before I actually got feelings going back down my body. And when I came out of that, that's when people would say something to me and I would just see this little video pop up on their shoulder and I'd just play it back to them exactly what I saw. Wow. And that's what opened up all that psychicness. I was going to say, that must uh. have been the time when your psychic ability opened wide up. And sometimes just walking through a crowd, all of a sudden, one of those things will catch my eye and I'll see it and I undoubtedly say something to that person. It just seems like they get right there beside me and I say something. Or if Mm -hmm. I bump into them, it just comes out. And it's not like I planned it. It just comes out. Wow. That's awesome. 
Eileen, I wanted to um, ask you, one of the things that Gary told me is that when he was born, there he had a, a uh, an astrological reading just out of the newspaper saying that if uh, a person was born on this particular day, that religion was going to play an important part in their life. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you see in an astrological chart? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Easy. You know, somebody have their exact date, time, and place, do the chart, and if that's supposed to be in there, I mean, like what you'd see is a predominant ninth house, you know, or uh, something to do with Neptune. Yes, that or would Jupiter definitely, or Jupiter, yeah, Jupiter up there. Midheaven or in first house, any that's of those will be the, the yeah one that's going to go there. That's, that's, and they make great teachers, too. Yep, they do. So they teach what their their philosophies are. You know, so, uh, and I have my Jupiter right at the top of my chart, too. So, and I, hence, I have the name of the show. So, I feel very strongly about Jupiter. It's a very important planet to me. But, um, yes, but you do. Um, you know, if you do the chart right at the moment of birth, you're going to get that whole business right there. And I remember one reading I did for a person. It was a brand new couple, a couple that just had a baby, not more than two weeks before. And... And the baby had moon and Capricorn, and they were so disappointed <laughs> because <laughs> moon and Capricorn is sort of like the feelings are just sort of like one way. You know, they are extremely emotional. They're a little bit more business-oriented, even when they're five or six years old. I said, well, yeah, your baby has moon and Capricorn. And they went, oh, darn, can we trade her in or something, you know? But they were really upset by that. You know, everything else they liked, but they didn't want to hear the moon and Capricorn part. But I said, well, you're going to learn from her, okay? You know, when when you turn it around, she may be ending up organizing your business and you'll make a ton of money. So don't look at it as a bad thing. It's a good thing. So, yeah, I mean, you can tell stuff immediately, right away from a chart. And the main thing is know that you chose it all. Yes. Yes, we did choose it all. Yeah. Whereas I've heard contracted for it. And that that raises an intriguing point for me. I'd like to hear from both of you folks. When it comes to a birth chart, I'm curious to know, and I don't think I've ever gotten a definitive answer from an astrologer or anyone. With our birth chart, are we looking at something that is so individual that it is never to be either repeated, nor will it ever rhyme with other incarnations, or is there a supposition in astrology that when you run a birth chart for someone, you can be certain that they have lived before, mm-hmm. are going to work on it now, especially if they're alert to it, whatever the issues are, right. and will in all likelihood reincarnate. Is mm-hmm. reincarnation actually something wedded to astrology, or is that only one angle on the subject? That's a big question. So how would you answer that, Doug? Um, not everyone will reincarnate, and you have a lot of people that have actually ascended. Mm-hmm. And our main goal here is to be an ascended master as well. And so that means you embrace everything with love. I don't care who they are, what they are. You embrace them with love, and that's where you come out ahead. Okay. And I think more people have to learn to do that. Mm-hmm. The importance of that is so incredibly strong. Right. Exactly. Um, the way I would, would say it is that um, it's a part of your journey as the soul 
to be incarnated at this time with the chart that you have because basically a chart is God's God's way of look, telling you what you need to do this lifetime when you incarnate those are the things you have to do that's that's your job to do and that in in a sense when you when you put it together with all your lifetimes maybe in a previous lifetime you didn't learn about relationships or you didn't have them very well and like for my case I would say that relationships are extremely important this lifetime probably because I needed to learn about them this one so this lifetime is about those things so each lifetime you pick out certain themes that you uh, that a person learns and 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 does them you know and then the next lifetime will be you know indicated in the birth chart too what's going to be in the future you know what kind of things will happen but um, I mean like for instance I've I've met people who actually had a sex change this lifetime you know and wow. they were going to do the, uh, and the life as a woman but they had done previous lives as male. So they come in with a lot of male energy and they don't know how to integrate that. And I said, well, you're meaning to integrate the feminine side. And as soon as they find that out, we go, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I can do that. You know, so it, it's, it may be as simple as just learning different gender, but it could be all sorts of messages that are given across the board. So that's how I would answer your question. So, Well, thank you. I, I do find that informative. It's also speaking to the more hopeful side of my nature because I I can't prove reincarnation. If I could prove reincarnation, there's a Nobel Prize in my immediate future. <laughs> but I strongly, I am I should say, I am persuaded that mm -hmm. we reincarnate. And it isn't always because we have to pay off a karmic debt, I've no. come to believe. There's some things we're just interested in doing. Yeah. I think that's how Mozart could be such a musical uh -huh. genius or Prince yeah. in the modern times because yeah. you're really into it and you want to keep doing it, keep improving, right. reaching higher octaves of excellence. Literally, for him. You know, because I remember looking at Mozart's chart and he had a south node and Pisces with Neptune. Well, hello. I think he did this in many lifetimes, you know, because the Neptune is the planet of, of music. You know, and so, and he did it again this lifetime. He channeled, rechanneled the energy of Neptune. It came out in his work, you know. And I remember in the in the movie of Mozart or Amadeus. Amadeus. I mean. um, saying, "Where's the where's the score to the magic flute?" And he says, "It's up here in my brain. I just haven't put it on paper yet." You know, he just had all the music running around in his head. And that would have been typical for somebody like him. It was just absolutely effortless for him. How many laps did they have to do before it came out? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I isn't don't that know. A key question, because look at the, I, I, you could name Beethoven, you could name oh, Bach, yeah. you could name the Beatles. Oh, that, sure. They're so, who had no formal musical training, right. but look at the genius that they produced right. collectively. Yeah. I, I wonder about that, and I think, you know, Doug said something earlier about you agreed to do it. I think that's true. Yeah. That you, there were four, and I'm using the Beatles as an example here because mm -hmm. uh, I love to do that. But they're in the, uh, in the middle years of the 20th century. There were four young men from Liverpool, England, who perhaps were fulfilling a contract to change the world in the only way that they could, right. given their birth circumstances. Right. And it reverberates to this day. I right. find that utterly amazing. It is, and he had, they had to do it with all four of them. Not one of those people could be left out. Correct. 
So that would have been the important part of the equation there. So when their drummer Pete Best, who was he was a pretty good drummer, yeah, but it know, didn't his personality fit. didn't he, his personality didn't blend well with the right. other three. Yeah, he, so they let him go, and then they bring in Ringo Starr. Yeah, and now you have the missing piece of the puzzle, and the next right. thing you know, their rocket is lit. Yeah, it's gone. You know, it's in the stratosphere. So yes, I totally agree. What uh, if John I, Lennon was actually still alive? He's not alive. He is. Oh, would you stop? Anyway. <laughs> he's in. A, he was in a witness protection program, and he is alive. Oh, well, all right. Okay, so anyway, we got to take another break right now. And when we get back, we're going to have some more chatting with Mr. Manson, Mrs. Mitchell. Okay, this is the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And this is a live read from Mr. Matt Shea and Matt Shea Books. Matt writes books that centers around the common person in everyday life, people like you and me. And the writings emphasize, his writings emphasize that each and every one of us was blessed with a unique and one-of-a-kind winning hand that will eventually be called upon to serve the world we live in. Matt will write stories and conduct radio interviews for the rest of his life as a way to encourage and inspire others. One of Matt's great books is the trilogy, The Groundskeeper, and other short stories, which has been receiving a lot of attention lately and can be found on Amazon and his website. So feel free to browse Matt's website at www.mattsheabooks.com. And now his new website, www.mattsheabooks.net. All of his books are available there. Matt would love to also hear from you and promises to answer any or all who contact him. You can also write to him at his personal email address at workinmat 7 W-O-R-K-N-7, at AOL.com, and you can call him at 206-915-1881. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome our favorite political pundit, Caroline Heldman of Occidental College, for a deep dive into issues of our times. On Saturday, Marie D. Jones discusses her latest book, Earth Magic, an encyclopedia of natural remedies for whatever ails you. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. With me is Mr. Doug Johnston, my co-host. Where? How long have I been here? <laughs> you mean today or what? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you came walking in with a little bit of sleep on you. Did you wake up late this morning? No. Oh, oh all right. No, not at all. Okay. My concern was getting into the place. Oh, oh because right. I knew you were in the radio show and I knew he can come out. Right. So oh. I'm standing out there. I text you, but you were definitely already started. Okay. And then someone walked by. Oh, see. And I buzzed the button quick and he came you were and got me. Yeah. That sounds good. Good job. So, so excellent. Anyway, so today we are talking with Manson Mitchell from the Manson Mitchell show. They're awesome. And we've been just talking about astrology and how you figure out somebody's lifetime, you know, previous and, and present and future lifetime from the chart, which can be done. It's, it's part of the reading, actually. You know, and it can show you 
essentially what you've inherited from the previous lifetime that you still have to work on this lifetime, either work on to resolve it or to deepen the, what you're doing to access more of, of that that you want to in, integrate. I think that it's interesting how the charts work out very similar to what you get with numerology, too. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, you go to your numerology, and it will fit right to that chart. Right, exactly. You know who was good at that? I give the man credit. He had some absolutely riveting horoscopes. I and mean, we're talking about your daily horoscope, right? right? Back in the day, and I'm going back to the mid-'90s, and as long as the man remained alive, Sidney Omar. Oh, yeah. The late, great Sidney Omar, he managed because he would talk about significators and he would use numerology along with astrology and they were interwoven so beautifully that he absolutely said things that I had no way of determining in advance were going to come even remotely true or be accurate. Right. And those things would happen. And I would go, how could he know that? And especially within the time frame when these coming events would have been relevant to me. Right. Well, I, I agree completely. I see it over and over because I look at numerology all the time. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I yeah. am first metaphysical class. That's what it was about was okay. numerology. Numerology. Yeah. And then I took a Vedic numerology. Do you remember, um, Prince Arinda. Oh, yes. He's one of my favorite people. I took his class on Vedic numerology, no, which was a fascinating too. thing. Totally yeah. different. I wish I had a lot more time just to study it with him. Yeah. Because it went too fast. Yeah. He's no longer with us, is he? I haven't heard a word about him in a long time now. Yeah, probably is. He was down in California the last yeah. that I heard. Yeah. Yeah, he was a, a really interesting man. I mean, first time I met him was at Lou's old group back when it was down at the down at the airport. And um this man was sitting and he's so striking for for being from India. Of course mm-hmm. he was from royalty, you know, would make sense. Well, so am I. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Sorry. Anyway, back in the day when I came into metaphysics in 1994, as usual, going through the crisis door because I had big relationship problems, which uh-huh. centered this time on the lack of a relationship that okay. I strongly preferred to have. Uh-huh. I would go to a place that no longer exists called Catton's. Uh huh. It was in Federal Way. I think way. that's where I met you. Oh, the first did. time. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's where I met Doug. Uh-huh. And it might be. Well, no, it's not where I met Eileen. Eileen was no. through a radio connection. That's but right. I would go to Catton's and I would know two things every time it man. If it was Thursday night, you wanted to know where I was. You'd find me at Catton's. And right. this it was true for two solid years. Wow. Amazing experiences. Two things I could know for sure when I went to Catton's. I was going to get a very relevant psychometry reading from an object that I would provide. And the second thing I knew for sure was that Doug Johnston was going to be ordering a milkshake. (laughs) He would always have a milkshake with a meal, which was great to support the restaurant because we we were using their space, you know. But we had people, uh, some of whom are no longer in the body. And uh, I miss them. I think of a great guy by the name of Don Parks, Yes. He was with the Boeing parapsychology yes, group. Yes, he was awesome. And he was a huge fan of Edgar Casey. Yeah. And he actually would get charts for people and do the interpretive work right. based on the, the Edgar Casey system, if you want to call well, it that. Yeah. It did the Edgar Casey readings is where they came from. 
because yeah. Casey had 14,000 plus recordings of every reading he did. Wow. And they just do the charts on those people. And so people that had similar aspects is what he was playing with. It was oh. a great way of looking at it. Yeah, it's a great way to do it. it. It is. I got one as a birthday present for my cousin and uh-huh. gave it to him. And he found it to be startlingly accurate. Right. And yeah. Based on this system, I mean, that that's all the more remarkable. It also tells me that... It, astrology for its many virtues is underappreciated as a system of correspondences. I think that's what gives it its reliability. Well, you know where the largest collection of astrology books is? Yes. The Vatican Library. The Vatican Library has the the greatest collection. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, So the Pope is studying that, huh? Well, (laughs) one could only hope. But they've ran things off astrology always, but they condemn it to the people. Yeah, yeah. But if you read the Bible, you will find that astrology is mentioned in there over and over and over. Oh yeah, yeah. And you will also hear it when you say the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Because you say, "Thy kingdom come." Yes. And you have to say, "What is kingdom?" It's yeah. the animals. Right. And the animals in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's good. Yeah. I, you know, it's kind of goofy that it's so it's so hidden. But, you know, there's so many amazing correlations. I mean, like, for instance, the um, Star of David, which was back when there was a multiple conjunction of planets in Pisces. And that was when Jesus was born. Right. So Jesus's chart has seven planets in Pisces, <laughs> you know, and I've seen his chart. I had a, a, not a friend, but a, an, a, an astrologer that rectified his chart. And it, it's Gemini rising, which is perfect, you know, with his artistic representations of of way that people thought he looked like. He looked just like a Gemini rising, tall and thin, you know, and, and going around and giving people information and talking to them. And that's Gemini rising. But all that. And Pisces, all the Pisces was in the third house. So that's kind of, that doubles the, the Gemini rising thing. So, yeah, I remember I told that story on another radio station one time um, because um, somebody was on there talking, I was talking about the the Star of David and how, how it was a combination of all the planets together and declination. They were all together in the sky. and um, And it was basically also the, uh, the three wise men were astrologers. How else they, could they found that? You know, that's right. You know, so I mean, there's so much information that correlates. Even you know what's interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, Matt. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, you're right about that being astrologer. If you ask the Catholic Church, because the Jerusalem Bible, a Catholic version, yeah. states in the New Testament, and I found this out by going to Mass with my mom many years ago in Las Vegas. <laughs> we, oh. we, they had the, the biblical reading. It was around Christmas time. Uh-huh. And it was three astrologers from the East followed this star. Now I'm going, Mom, look at this. Here's the Jerusalem Bible. Uh-huh. And they're calling these guys astrologers. Yeah. I found that more than a little intriguing. That is very intriguing. I know. And I thought it was said that if what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, why are you telling us this? Because I'm a big mouth. (laughs) When I was walking the strip one time, there was a small place. It was a gift shop there, and they had one of those boards where you just write something with chalk, you know. And it's when that slogan was still new. And I thought it was great. It said, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but what happens here didn't happen. 
That's a That's Neptune funny. statement. <laughs> oh, no, I funny. have a a friend who was the head librarian in the Vatican for 22 years. Wow. So I learned a lot of what is over there. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of stuff buried in the basement, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of literature. You know, some of the but the, I would love to go into that library and just go and read because uh, I love oh. digging in books. Have you ever done anything with Jordan Maxwell? Gary? We have not. No. Look him up because I think you go to jordanmaxwellshow.com. That's his website. Okay. But he is a fascinating man that has been dwelling in the occult for over 50 years. Hmm. And he has so much knowledge that it's off the hook. Wow, that's cool. You know, that I, would be great. I could just see we see with you, Doug. You're Gemini, and 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 uh, and uh, what's his name? Gary. <laughs> I knew his, his name. He's a Virgo, so you're on both sides of the, the Mercury question. Right. So it would be very fascinating for you to to get the details of all that. Well, I'm very curious about the Vatican Library anyway, at least as much as the next guy. Yeah. But what gets me is if they have all this on on astrology, and that's wonderful that they do, do they have volumes or a whole section that would be dedicated to contact with the other side? Because that's one way to validate the existence of an afterlife. And everybody I've ever talked to who had an experience like Doug related to us during this hour, yeah. every single one of them tell me that it's not what I expected to see. Right. That's if right. they were religious, if you were raised in a religion particularly, it's not like what you thought you would encounter. Right. That's very true. That makes sense. Because I was brought up German Lutheran. Oh, boy. Which is very strict. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because you would figure that any literature down there would be stuff that they don't want to have out there in the public. That's right. It's going to be. It's going to be a lot of stuff. There's there. another guy that has done a lot of digging over there, and that's the guy named Bishop Larry Gators, G A I T E R S, mm-hmm. and he's quite a fascinating man. He has uh, videos on YouTube where he talks and explains a lot of things and how things were set up and wow. what he has found over there. Wow, that's amazing. I find him very fascinating wow. too. Cool. Okay, we got to take another break really quick here, and when we get back, we're going to be finishing up with the old Manson Mitchell duo. This is don't the ju- call them old. Okay. <laughs> How okay, can you let do me rephrase that? that. I just I did. You it's, did that it, all in one breath. You insulted I, them. I, I it was a term of endearment. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Thank Kamala you. Harris on line one. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! How are you, Kamala? Okay. Anyway, we'll be right back here with the Jupiter Rising show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. And this is a live read for Susan Bergstrom of the Medicare Exchange. Medicare coverage is a very important and confusing issue as we near retirement, largely because Medicare doesn't cover 100% of your medical costs, only about 80%. That means we will need affordable supplemental coverage that takes care of that 20%. Susan Bergstrom can help us get to the best coverage for us. For her, the process is really easy, and in the end, she will save you money. Susan has some new developments. First are classes that are available through the programs she represents. So if you want to take, you know, 
if you want to get some class information, just make sure you sign up for some of the, the programs she represents and you'll get the free tuition to them. So they're free, free, they're free your kids and other kids too. So also she has a legacy safeguard, a new document that can be done to itemize and organize your final wishes, and it's free. So if you need any more information, call Susan at 253-318-9379 or me, email her at sbergstrom at americanseniorbenefits.com. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150. And welcome back to the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio with my co-host Doug Johnston and our wonderful guest, Mr. Mance and Ms. Ms. Mitchell. Hello, guys. We're happy to be here. It's it's (laughs) fun when we do this reciprocal visitation. I enjoy it very much. Oh, it is fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like a party party for a couple hours. Yeah, right. Can I ask both of you a question? Because I know you will answer me honestly. Yes. It's been coming up on, geez, what, four years since we uh, went on, not quite four years since we last visited Seattle. And I was thunderstruck by what I saw, especially the traffic which yeah. was worse than when I was there a few years earlier. Right. And I'm going, oh, this is really something. Yeah. In your own separate estimations, what do you think is really going on in the guts of the place with the city and environs of Seattle? What is happening there? I'm talking about not just economically. For me, that's the least of it, really. But what is going on? ethnically what is going on politically what is going on socially with the emerald city which still remains the jewel of my eye when i think of cities where i've lived that's a loaded question isn't it you want to start this i'll tell you that i moved out of seattle because i couldn't sleep there anymore Mm -hmm. the energy was getting so choppy that i would wake up three or four times in the middle of the night for no reason at all yep and as soon as i moved away it was like i could sleep through the night with no problem it's yep. a there's so much of an influence that has come up from California area, probably more so than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that energy is different. It's cho- it's a uh, almost like it's agitated. Like yes. we've, we've got to we got to get this done now. We got to win. Yeah. We got to be the top. We got to do this. We got to do that. And you have Amazon people that have come in from all over and they have that push of aggressiveness to get things done as well yeah so it's it's definitely changed immensely i agree and uh, to back that up and it's interesting you should mention that doug because it's exactly what i felt when i went to downtown seattle a few months ago in january and i was doing an event at nordstrom down there and when i got down there and i I walked around downtown i just felt closed in almost almost paranoid because it felt like the whole area of downtown was fragmenting. Like all the buildings, were, pieces were dropping off of them. And there was nothing substantial about any of the buildings there. So it, the energy has changed so much down there that I couldn't stand living there either. I moved out of Seattle about six, seven, eight years ago. And it was basically, I was forced to do it because I didn't have enough money to live up here. But um, I ended up down in Lakewood, which is an infinitely much more calm environment down there. But uh, it was horrible. And, and now when I visit Seattle, I want to turn around and get back, heck, back out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, it's Tacoma is kind of where Seattle was in the nineties. Yeah, it's, it's got a different pace to it. Yeah, much calmer. Yeah, um, artsy fartsy. A bit. Seattle's lost that artsy fartsy edge it had. Yeah, that's true. So, that surprises me a lot right there to yeah. hear that. I mean, the home of the Seattle Art Museum, et cetera. Right. There, that is fascinating to me. But, Doug, when you talk about the 90s, see, for me, that was the golden era. I moved there the centennial year, 1989, yeah. there, and I was living south of the city and quite happy to be there compared to all of the, the neon craziness of Las Vegas, where I had resided for five years previously. Yes. So I get to Seattle, and in the 1990s, I will tell you, and I say this unhesitatingly, I never experienced such a period in one decade of intense, challenging personal growth right. and really a change of religion in a way right. to experience all that in this place that is so lushly beautiful. No wonder it's called the Emerald City. Oh, yeah. And to be in that environment socially, geographically, it meant the world to me. And I had the strongest sense that this was the place I was destined to go for a good period of my life in order to grow up as a human being Right in the 90s. Yeah, it is a Scorpio town. So it, it is. transforms you. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that this is a Scorpio state, and Seattle's a Scorpio city. It's double yeah. Scorpio. So wow. whenever you move, anybody moves there who's Scorpionic feels right at home, you know, because it's like, like everything in the backyard, everything that they have around them, it's all meat of the bigger meat. Oh, that made sense, didn't it? I don't know what you're talking about, but it's okay. <laughs> Let me squeeze this in. Do Oops. you not get an overwhelming feeling of nostalgia as well as a oh, key yeah. to understanding who you were when yeah. if you simply watch an episode of Frasier? Oh, yeah. And I've, I've got all 11 tapes, all 11 videos, um, CDs of all the whole show. I'm waiting to see one of those shows someday, but... You haven't watched Frasier? No. Oh, it's hysterical. I don't have it a is. TV. I, I decided TV was nothing but some way to put out propaganda back in 72. Oh, but Frasier's different. Frasier and is funny. It's all programmed through all of it. Yeah. Well, They're it, all hidden message within. Well, they, you know, I don't know if Frasier had any, any internal messages like that, but it was just funny, funny written, and the characters were really iconic people. Well, you know. this last movie I was in, the director said, I want you to play like Frasier. I said, I've never seen it. <laughs> but he goes, well, I want you to be kind of arrogant and... Prissy at the same time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I said, oh, no problem. <laughs> I tell you, that show is, uh, it was absolutely magnificent. And having all of those videos, I've watched them countless times. You know. Well, you know how Archie Bunker was the lovable bigot, yeah. right? That's how he was termed. A lot of the stuff that he said was not lovable, especially in today's context, oh, but he yeah. was who he was, right? Right. Uh, the lovable bigot, in the case of Fraser Crane, you had the much beloved pompous ass. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in, in all of TV history, at least as much of it, and that's a lot of it, yeah. I was born in 1954, I was born the day Lassie premiered on network television. So that was an iconic day. Uh, but when I look at, at all of the episodes of Frasier and I look at all, all the TV I've watched across the decades, I have never seen farce mm -hmm. done with more wit and intelligence oh, yeah. Yeah. than what they accomplished with Frasier. It yeah. really is extraordinary. <clears throat> week after week. It's not, oh, they get it right once in oh, a while. No. It was consistently it brilliant. 
Yeah. And of course, it, it was it was staged in Seattle, obviously, because Frazier was a um, a disc jockey, radio disc jockey. I can relate to him personally, actually. But um, he was a psychologist on the radio, you know, and he had his 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 erstwhile uh, sent a lady with him. It was picking, you know, choosing calls for him to pick up. You know, it just sounds so familiar to me. I wonder why. Anyway, but um. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but there was just something. I didn't me. know you had a degree in psychology. No, I don't. Oh, okay. But the psychology is part of what I do. So, oh, okay. You know, and his his he was he was a real satire on all of that, you know, and um, it was just really extremely well done. You have to w- watch a couple of episodes sometime. I'll have you over and you can watch them. The lovable. Oh yeah. Asshole. Well. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just said something you weren't supposed Arrogant. to say. Oh. Okay, that's better. Anyway, yeah, it's um, yeah, it was just something that it was was a one of a kind sort of thing that happened once in a lifetime. It was really a synchronicity of all these people on that show that was just fabulous. How many years that's, did that run? Yeah. Eleven years. Oh, eleven long. seasons. Yeah, it was run. it was it was extraordinary because I mean. Uh, Anytime he got too big for his britches, life had a way of bringing oh, Frazier yeah. down, but right. not yeah. to the point where you'd stop loving him. You still were rooting for these guys, yeah. and you had a mix of personalities that showed you this is what life is in an urban yeah. culture, yeah, and particularly 90s Seattle. This is what you're going to run into. That's right. Exactly right. That was a good did, mention of that. Did Gary, did you ever go to Sammy Sue's Diner when you were there? I did not. Oh. Because that? that's Samantha Blodell. Oh. And she oh. had her diner and the food, because she's, you know, she's raised in the South. She's got the most incredible foods you could ever imagine. And her cake. <laughs> Beulah May cake Beulah is cake, which I the never best cake I've ever had. Yep. Fabulous. Well, there's such a, a culture of cuisine there. When you go to Seattle, you could make a list and it would be two or three pages long. And, and if you stay there for a month, you probably wouldn't get to all of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, we've got to let you go, you guys. That You're, went fast. I know. It was sad. You're that always over. delighted to be in your company. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Fun having you guys. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Gary, for being thank on. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, so now we have uh, After Dark readings that are eventually coming up. We've been talking about doing it. I just have to talk to the management, see what day I'm going to do it. So, um, because After Dark um, at Pizza Casa, Pizza Casa is open again. So, it, not Burr's, though, unfortunately. So, I don't know what the heck's going on with Burr's. It really upsets well, me. Well, they haven't opened up uh, Poodle Dog either. What? Poodle Dog isn't open either? Same owner. Oh, oh. I wonder why. Yeah, he owns all those yeah, restaurants. Yeah, he does. Okay, one minute. We got one minute. Okay, so how do we get a hold of you? Uh, 206-769-4924. Text or call, that's the best way. Okay, and you can get a hold of me at EileenGrimes.com or JupiterRisingShow at AOL.com is the email address. And so next week we have on Michael Cipress. We're excited because we're going to bring on his music and we're going to do all that other stuff. It's a friend of yours. And he wants to be here live by all means if it's possible. Well, if we could, but I doubt it. But we'll see. Anyway, and then the the week after we have on your favorite Irishman, Doug, 
<laughs> Jared Dooley is going to be on. I the other night on Facebook. Oh, he's funny. Anyway, we're going to be signing off here and in a second. So I hope you enjoy both the shows we had to hear today for you. This is Eileen Grimes right here with the Jupiter Rising Show right here on KKNW Alternative Talk Radio. Thank you.